served with hoorah. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. This week, we're going to talk about credit card points with the biggest and the best, the points guy, Brian Kelly. When I first started dating my partner, Mal Blum, I found out that they love points. As a musician, they traveled a lot and collected a lot of credit card points, hotel points, and they used them strategically to tour and make records. When I was on my book tour stop in Miami, I got to the hotel early and my room wasn't ready and Mal, who had met me there so they could meet my parents, came through with their elite point status and we got to wait in a very nice lounge. So of course, I had to have them come on again, making their stunning third visit to this show. They are actually pretty starstruck to be on an episode with the points guy. Brian Kelly has built an empire and a name for himself as the most comprehensive place to go for anything you could ever want to know about credit card points and points in general. I'm a little scared of points because it kind of seems too good to be true. And in some ways it is, obviously. It takes discipline and desire that not all of us have. And if it doesn't become like a hyper focus, it won't stick in my mind. And Brian does advise that paying for all kinds of meals and travel just for the points is a bad idea, but it's more about being strategic with money you were already planning on spending. I'm really excited to have Brian here, especially as a gay man in the financial world, to talk about credit card points, traveling while queer, and how to make credit card points more inclusive with regard to race, disability, and transness. By the way, I had no idea the points guy was gay. Like, literally no idea. Uh, I googled him when he reached out to be on this show and I had the complete wrong idea about him and finding out he was gay was like the best news I had heard in months. So let's talk to Brian. Hey everyone, it's Brian Kelly, the points guy. I am an expert in frequent flyer miles, credit card points and travel overall. Okay, so when you began the points guy, what gap did you find that you were filling or what gap did you did you see that you were filling or feel that you were filling? Well, so I used to work in finance and it was amazing to me that I, I had so many colleagues who were frequent travelers and they didn't even get frequent flyer miles. And, you know, I'd be sitting at dinner parties with neurosurgeons and they would say, oh, you know how to use Amex points? And I'm like, you can literally save lives and went to 20 years of schooling and you're shocked at this little weird piece of knowledge that I have. So that's when I knew like the world needs more education on points. So I started the points guy just as a fun little side blog in 2010. And then it just soon kind of went wild. Why did you know so much about points? So it all starts in the 1995 so in the 90s, I was like the computer nerd of my house. I'm one, one of four kids. Mm-hmm. I'm 38 years old today. So in 1990, when I was seven, we got a, a desktop computer, an old IBM, and I was obsessed. I taught myself how to code. My Christmas present was like Prodigy, which you actually used to have to install a modem in a computer, oh, yeah. put in the phone line. Uh-huh. Like Kids these days don't know the the drama of getting on the internet back in the day. No, I'm 33. I hear you. So I was always like the computer whiz of the house. Um, and then my dad got a job for a startup in 1995. He didn't even really know how to type because he always had a secretary. 
So I started booking travel for him. Travelocity had just launched and that was my first job. He paid me $10 per flight to book. Meanwhile, it took me like two minutes, but he didn't know that at the time. And then one day he said, we have all these frequent flyer miles. If you can figure out how to use it, our family of six will go on a trip. And he was thinking like Orlando. And I'm like, as this like closeted little gay kid, I was like, that's not fab enough. And uh, so I booked us to the Cayman Islands and it was like the best trip of our lives. Yeah, I like picked up the phone. There was no online booking award tickets back then. So I picked up the phone and I think I got Sheila in Omaha at US Airways. I was like, hey, Sheila, listen, girl, like I've got all these freaking flyer miles. My dad wants to take a basic vacation, like help me out. And she was like, oh, I gotcha. And like to this day, that's one of my best tips. Like be nice to airline employees across the board. They have a lot of power. They're not really paid well, and they just are berated all day long. So if you can be ultra nice, I guarantee you that's going to get you a lot more than like screaming and being frustrated. Oh, I would like to shout out Julie from Boise, who I wrote a personal review for because she helped me with like getting my dog on a plane. Like, thank you to Julie. And then I got a message back being like, thank you for like Julie's supervisor has been told. I was like, good, good. She deserves it. You're so smart. I mean, when you have a great flight, you know, flight attendants these days are under so much pressure. We've mm -hmm. seen they're getting attacked at record rates. Yep. You know, they were furloughed and there's just not enough like employees, like every industry that's being hit right. by understaffing. So if you have a great flight attendant, don't just say thank you, like send in a quick note, go to the airline website or even just put on Twitter, say, hey, American Airlines, so and so on this flight was amazing. And mm -hmm. you would be shocked at how much that can help um, people, especially through these really hard times. So you realized from talking to people that nobody really knew how to use points and it's just like largely going to the wayside basically is what's happening. Basically, I mean, I got really into points in 2004. I was elected student body president at the University of Pittsburgh and I studied abroad. So all of a sudden, you know, my dad had points growing up. But then even though I was in college, I was flying to like student government conferences. I was, you know, got a cheap ticket to Ireland for spring break. So I remember I stumbled onto Flyer Talk, which is this really deep community of like hardcore frequent flyer mile people. So I had okay. always been doing it. But I didn't know there, there was like this subculture of crazy points freaks. So I immediately dove right in and then realized it was this amazing community, people sharing tips. And, you know, and so that's where my I really started to go crazy for points. But it wasn't until 2010 during the financial, the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. I'm in my 20s in New York City. And just like even though, you know, I got small promotions, like I was still living paycheck to paycheck, like working oh, yeah. in HR for a bank. So my ex-boyfriend at the time was like, you know, you should start a service where you charge people for that amazing knowledge in your head. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Cause I, I really just need like a, an extra 500 to a thousand bucks a month was like yeah. really what I needed to like go out to dinners and not be like panicked that everyone's going to ask me to split the check. So it started off as a side hustle, $50 a ticket. And then I turned it into a blog. And then I got really lucky that I was writing about credit cards and all of a sudden the credit card marketing companies were like, hey, mm -hmm. we love your content. It's resonating with a really young audience. Let's team up. And that's when I got into affiliate marketing. And it was like zero to a thousand miles an hour within like a month. What are people? 
people getting wrong about credit card points. I mean, I even have to push myself to be like, go check before you order this, like go check if you have some sort of like Amex deal on it. But like, I have to like remember. Yeah, you're not alone. I'm the same way. It's like dizzying the, the amount. And it's in a good way. Like there are now more ways to earn credit card points than ever before. And like the perks are unbelievable too. As mm -hmm. you mentioned, Amex offers. Plus you should shop through an online shopping portal where you earn extra miles. So if you're listening and you're not aware, online shopping portals will give you either cash back or frequent flyer miles. And often those frequent flyer miles are worth a ton. And that's in addition to the credit card, you know, the points you get for using a credit card. That's what we call double dipping. So basically, I think people are leaving points on the table just because there are so many options. And then a second thing, and I get it, like I was in credit card debt. I was idiotic with my credit. Mm -hmm. I put my head in the sand in college where I racked up debt. I, you know, there was a Verizon bill I didn't pay. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to move. So they'll never catch me, right? <laughs> and credit is scary. If you're, mm -hmm. so if you're, if you are in debt and you finally get out of debt and you don't trust yourself with a credit card, then do not get a credit card. Right. Like as much as it pains me as the points guy, because if you can spend responsibly on a credit card, there is no reason you should be paying with debit or cash. The reason right. why is because you carry around cash and it gets stolen from you, you're not protected. Theft, online theft these days is rampant. So even if you're using a debit card, yes, they have protections, but you may be out cold hard cash for a while before yeah. the bank decides to pay you. Not only that, when you book a flight, you know, if you use a travel credit card, you know, a lot of airlines went bust during the pandemic and you know, people were stranded. And if you use a debit card, your bank or your local bank's not going to be like, we got you, boo. You know, like mm -hmm. you're on your own. But if you use a top, you know, Amex, Chase, City, Capital One, they all have travel protections. So you're getting points, perks, you know, lounge access, whatever, free luggage, plus protections. And I think in this post-pandemic age, protections and flexibility are number one. Mm -hmm. And you know, even with points throughout the pandemic, most major airlines and hotel companies will now let you cancel your trip free of charge if you use points. If you use, yeah. Mm -hmm. And whereas if you buy a ticket, yeah, they'll let you change for free, but they're going to give you a crappy voucher that expires. And some of these vouchers are so useless where if you book a cheaper ticket, you lose the value. So points have never been more flexible and valuable. And that's why people should pay attention to them. And it's not just from credit cards. You can get points for doing a lot of different things. I have installed Capital One Shopping, which gives you like codes, finds codes. And that has been, I mean, life changing. There's a code every single time. You have to wade through a lot and like read a lot, which I've, you know, been doing this show for eight seasons and people are, the, the big problem seems to be people are scared and also they don't want to read. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even like your website can be overwhelming too. My partner was like, ask him what credit card to get, <laughs> which like, you know, like is, is such, it's such a, a, like a simple question with a million answers. Like what yeah. are some of those answers? So... In general, there's no one best credit card. It depends right. like what you want, because not just points. I could tell you the best credit cards for like point sign up bonuses, but then ongoing the perks, you know, do you want hotel perks and free breakfast? Like, so it differs for everyone, but this is where, so just this week we launched our points guy app mm -hmm. and we're do we did it because, you know, we've got 30,000 pieces of content. I've got a team of 40 writers right now cranking out amazing stuff. I don't even have time to read all of our posts. So our app is going to use technology to give you personalized recommendations on what is best for you. 
not only on what you're spending on, but where you want to go. So you can set trip goals and say, I want to go to Bora Bora in fall of 2022. And we can say, well, you know, the best way to go there is flying Air Tahiti Nui, which is an American Airlines partner. You've got these American Airlines miles, but these are the other ways to accrue enough miles to get those tickets. And then we back it into like what you're spending. And then we're running analytics based on your spend. And if you're spending a ton of money on groceries, but you're using a card that doesn't reward you, we'll be able to say in a year, like if you just put that on the Amex Gold, which is 4X Amex points on groceries, you'd be earning hundreds, if not thousands of dollars more in value. So we're using technology. The app launched. I'm proud of what we built, but we're going to continue to make it so that it's personalized content. We know, you know, if you want, if you live in New York City and you fly Delta, we'll make sure you get those deals, the Amex offers that are $200 off a Delta ticket if you book yeah. by this date. Because I miss a lot of those deals and, you know, we're, we're pulling it all together to kind of cut through all the noise. What are the drawbacks? You mentioned a little bit of like credit card debt. Like what are the drawbacks of getting started and doing all of this? Well, so if you're in credit card debt, you know, the annual fee, you know, the APR, like educate yourself on on the fees because, you know, you're going to be paying 20% annually on a points earning credit card. And, you know, and points are only worth maybe one or two or 3% of your spend. So you're losing massively if you're getting points and think that they're worth more than the interest. You're not. And the thing about credit is the biggest thing to get your score up is just pay your balances down. So mm -hmm. as much as I love points, like if you're in debt and want to improve your credit score, it's just pay your balances down. Your debt to credit ratio is one of the biggest factors of a FICO score. Right. Payments on time is a second one. So no matter what, always pay your bills, even if it's just a minimum on time and then the work to get the, the balances down. If you don't have a good credit score, everything in life's more difficult. Getting an apartment or getting a mortgage are going to pay much higher rates. So you should treat your credit score like an asset. Nurture mm -hmm. it, protect it, educate yourself on it. You know, the rules are pretty open with what goes into a credit score. So even though it's not the sexiest thing, it will make your life better if you have a better credit score. When you were talking about the interest, what did you mean by that? Like the points don't equal the interest. So say you spend $1,000, you're going to earn 1,000 American Airlines miles to keep it simple. You know, we value those points at like $10, right? Okay. But you're going to pay $200 if you kept that balance over a year and didn't pay it. Okay. Right. So no one in their right mind would say, hey, sure, I'll take $10 and I'll give you 200 right? Like right. that's essentially you know, what's going on with, with interest. If you don't pay it off, they'll just keep billing, you know, and 20% annual is just a rough number. It could be lower, it could be higher. Right. If you're in credit card debt, get a card that gives you 0% on balance transfers. You'll probably pay 3% upfront, but a year of no interest is way more valuable than miles earned. So your number one goal should just be getting your balances paid off. Once you're in a good spot, or, you know, if, if you can put a, put something on your credit card, you pay it off every month, you avoid interest and you, reap those valuable points. Mm -hmm. In my book, I interviewed someone who was using a credit card to sort of get all this stuff for her wedding because she knew that she was going to meet the minute. Can you talk about people who do that, like being yeah. able to sort of meet the minimums and whatever? Yeah. So when you get a new credit card, you know, the most often is like spend $3,000 within three months. And 
like most people can spend that. That's yeah. why once you get a credit card, you want to put every possible expense on that card. And I'm actually an investor and advisor in a new credit card called Built, B-I-L-T. And it's the first ever credit card that has no fee. And there are no fees on paying rent, which is major oh. for a couple reasons. Yeah, it's like, I'm so proud of this because rent is most people's largest expense. And most, if your landlord takes credit card, in 99% of cases, they're going to charge you 3% to pay it, which like negates the value of the points. So we teamed up and we, the bill card now allows you to pay your rent on credit card. It pulls from your bank account. So you can't kind of go into debt with rent. We don't want people to go into bankruptcy. Right. I've never thought about that. Yeah. It's amazing because not only do you earn points and these points, you can transfer to American Airlines, Hyatt. You can even use your points to pay rent or what we're, what we're doing with Built is getting people to save up. And then it's the first points currency that you're allowed to use as a down payment on a mortgage. So... By paying huh. your rent on the credit rails, by you actually get credit for it, like on, on the credit score. Because when you pay by check or direct deposit to your landlord, you're not getting credit for this huge recurring monthly expense. Right. So inevitably, huh. your credit score will go up, which means lower mortgage rates. And then you can even use built points for a down payment on a home. Since a lot of people these days aren't traveling, you know, I generally like using points for travel, but for <laughs> some people... Getting a house and having points be able to like work towards your down payment is way more important than going, you know, to the Maldives. That's wild. Why are people so scared? <laughs> it sounds terrifying. When you're explaining built to me, I'm like, this is a trick. It's not a trick. In general, credit card companies and airlines are not the highest rated when it comes to customer service and yeah. gotcha rules. I think the points guy, like our role is to like educate you on all of the positive things. The reason why it's not a trick is because credit cards, the way the United States works is that every time you use a credit card at a store, that comp that store is paying like two cents per dollar just for the pleasure of running your tra transaction. Right. So essentially, the cost of using credit cards is built in to the way of doing business in the US. Yeah, there might be a gas station here or there that says, hey, if you pay cash, we'll give you a slight discount. But in general, when you go to most restaurants, they're not giving discounts for using cash. We've kind of accepted that. And honestly, for retailers, it's great. When you use a credit card, you know, an employee can't steal cash out of the register. And it's much easier to track. And you're getting analytics on your customers in real time, which is the name of the game. So everyone can win in the points game, right? So the airlines are now selling billions of dollars worth of points to credit card companies who then in turn give them to consumers kind of like in the form of a rebate. So everyone oh. can win. If you're, if you're using credit card, you get points, you pay it off in full so you don't have any interest. So you, that's when consumers come out ahead. It's not a catch. It's like maximizing the system. And that's why we have millions and millions of readers at the points guy. Because once you have that aha moment, it's unbelievable. Even if you don't want to travel, getting cash back, you can get 2% back on everything you spend in the form of cash back rewards. Mm -hmm. That's like a nice little rebate to the bottom line of your life. I asked some listeners what they wanted me to ask you. And someone was like, do points programs convince our brains to spend more than we otherwise would? And how do you avoid that trap? Yeah, so it's a great question. And look, I know people who will fly for the sake of getting elite status. You know, I, I know people who have flown L.A. to Sydney, stayed for 10 hours, and then flew back just to get the miles. I think that's crazy. 
if you have self-control, if you're not going to see this credit card with a huge limit on it and all of a sudden start thinking, yeah, I can afford that, I can afford that, you can win in the points game. Just spend what you're going to normally spend and then you're reaping the points for it. So it does take a little bit of discipline to not be like, ooh, let's go wild you know, to your friends. I'm paying for dinner tonight because I want the points. Paying for something for the points is always a bad idea. Mm. But if you're going to go and shop for school supplies at Best Buy, you are an idiot if you're not shopping through an online portal getting some cashback or miles. You're right. literally leaving money on the table that you right. could have gotten. So I like to think that we educate people on maximizing every single dollar they were already going to spend. Someone else wanted to know, he and his wife share a credit card, but because he's the primary card holder, she doesn't get any of the like benefits. How do you fix that? <laughs> yeah. So what I would say is, you know, sharing credit cards. Look, if your loved one doesn't have great credit and they can't get access to credit, adding them to your account can be a risk because sometimes some credit card companies will actually put their credit onto yours. So mm -hmm. you should be careful and do a little research on that. But it's mm -hmm. great because everyone can be earning points. Here's the deal. Credit cards, especially travel credit cards, are so lucrative these days. Even if you and your partner want to accrue points, you know, you can get 80,000 points on a sign-up bonus for a card, which is worth, honestly, you know, we value points at the points guy, you know, let's call it $1,000 conservatively. So mm -hmm. even if that card has a $50 or $100 annual fee, it makes more sense for your partner to get a card with the new sign-up bonus in their own name so that they also get the perks and that huge credit card sign-up bonus. If you've got good credit, I get new credit cards every year. I've got 25 credit cards. I know I'm an insane person because this is what I do. But um, Does that affect your credit at all or no? Your credit goes up. So the, the, what I, I was going yeah, back. That's nuts. Yeah, whenever you apply for a credit card, and this is what I was told as a kid was, it's going to ruin your credit. So it is true that if you have a hard inquiry, whether it's a mortgage or credit card, it will be like a two to five point temporary ding. Right, Because what the credit card companies want to see is if someone's just going to apply for a million credit cards, that's a huge red flag, means they're probably going to declare bankruptcy and it's a risk. Wow. But if you apply for a single credit card every three to six months, it's not a huge risk. And the more available credit you have available to you, once again, it goes back to the debt to credit ratio. It is the biggest factor in your credit score. So as you get more credit cards and you pay it off in full every month, you have more available credit and you're using less of it. So your ratio improves, which will immediately increase your score. So as long as you're paying the bills in full on time every month, your score will go up as you get more credit cards with these $1,000 plus bonuses, which is why we have millions of like really engaged fans, because it's not too good to be true if you play by the simple rules of not getting into debt. So how, I noticed you posted about like what cities people should avoid if they're trying to travel unvaccinated. And so like, what what do you see as the future of travel from this pandemic? Like I, I was sort of surprised by that post. How do you, how has that changed like what you're posting about? Or do you guys yeah. try to be like, I don't know, it seemed like apolitical or something. Well, you know, we try not to delve into politics. We try to report what's happening which travel is political in nature, right? This notion, and I think pre-pandemic, we thought, oh, the world's open, you know, the US passport, we can go wherever we want, pretty much. And that's not true anymore. Every country right. has its own mindset on, on vaccines. Mm -hmm. Most countries, most modern countries are highly, highly encouraging people to get the vaccine. We all know the data and the science says that Look, why would you want to be in another country without insurance and have to go to the hospital? You know, COVID hospitalizations are not cheap. 
and your U.S. health coverage right. ain't going to cover you in Europe. And you should not expect, mm-hmm. you know, another country's public health care system to protect you. So I think the biggest thing is just financially. Why would countries want to start housing unvaccinated people who inevitably will get, get the virus and, and be in a hospital? And, and we see right. that in the U.S. I mean, if you go to New York City and you're unvaccinated, good luck eating at any restaurant, right? Yeah. At the point, Scott, we're not saying whether that's right or wrong. We're just reporting the fact that if you're unvaccinated, you're not going to be able to go to museums, shows, or restaurants in New York City. So you probably don't want to visit. You know, we've got nice parks, but go to another park, <laughs> you know? And I think the future <laughs> is going to, you know, I'm going to France this week and I had to submit my vaccination card. It gave me a QR code to get into the country. There are some ways you can get in unvaccinated, but it's back flipping, jumping through hoops, et cetera. Right. So certainly if you want to travel with ease, even in the U.S., getting vaccinated is going to be a key to doing that. Yeah. What about gay travel? Because, uh, you know, it's been interesting talking about my partner and I drove across the country a couple times this year. And, you know, my parents were like, oh, well, make sure certain cities and, you know, gay or whatever. So, like, how does that sort of affect where you can go? You know, it's interesting as an out gay male. I love adventures. I love traveling, experiencing new cultures. And, you know, I love traveling on the African continent. I do a ton of work with Peace Jam, which is this incredible, it's a Nobel Peace Prize winners. Once you win the Nobel Peace Prize winner, you're kind of invited into Peace Jam. And it's the platform in which Nobel Peace Prize winners' message is taken to kids around the world. And we've got a really robust um, community of youth in Ghana, Liberia, and South Africa. And South Africa is very LGBTQ friendly. They were one of the first to pass gay marriage. And in general, you know, you can go as a gay person to South Africa and everything's fine. Ghana, which is where I've been probably 20 times, you know, technically the laws are really harsh. And I do have to be a little bit smart. You know, I'm never going to be closeted. I'm never going to not be who I am. But some of my best trips have been to countries where LGBTQ rights are not the best. So I struggle because I do a lot of work with Rainbow Railroad and they help LGBTQ people. We donate at the point of millions of miles. We have donated a lot of money. So we help save people, especially trans people in Jamaica. And I got a chance to go with Rainbow Railroad to Jamaica. And I was incensed at how terrible life is for LGBTQ people there, especially the trans community, many of whom live under bridges in what are called gullies. And I got to go Mm -hmm. to these bridges because people are just ostracized from their communities, beaten, killed. You know, the, the police does not protect LGBTQ people. Shocking. So my initial thought was I have a voice in travel and I'm going to stand up and say, let's boycott Jamaica until they make it right. And in my privileged mindset in my gorgeous home where I can do whatever I want, that sounded like the right thing to do for LGBTQ Jamaicans until I went there and actually listened to them. And they begged me not to do that. And they said, hotels are the safe place for us to work. So much of this anti-LGBTQ you know, sentiment comes from miseducation because our school systems are broke. If you boycott tourism, our only source of real, you know, not only, but big revenue, our lives will immediately get worse. And it was interesting listening to that perspective. And I do get flack from my LGBTQ followers. How dare you fly Emirates? You know, gay people, you know, 
If you go to Dubai, it's complicated. It's complicated. Because there are queer people there. I've had a lot of conversations with friends of mine who are queer Muslims and who come from countries where being queer is illegal, but it doesn't negate Islamophobia. Like it's complicated. It's complicated for sure. At the end of the day, I don't feel like, look, our country has a very complicated past with LGBTQ rights. I know. We act like being here is somehow so cleansing. So I don't go to places like Saudi Arabia, Iran, North Korea, where I do believe my my human yeah, rights are safety. at risk. You know, frankly, even these days, I'm nervous to go to China. We just saw recently with the prisoner swap. I don't want to be a political pawn and in a country that has no respect for, in general, human rights and get caught up in this prisoner swap situation, which I know is not happening to most people. But so anyway, I think LGBTQ friendly places, though, there's so many of them out there. If you want to just go somewhere where you're celebrated, I totally understand that. But, you know, even in the U.S., I feel not at ease in many cities in the U.S. and have to kind of keep an eye up. Mm-hmm. And even if you're gay in the U.S. or LGBTQ, you can still get fired in, what, 20 some states just for being who you exactly. are. So it's a touchy subject. I respect everyone's own opinion on what they're comfortable with. But I don't believe we should be painting a broad swath that if the country doesn't have LGBTQ, like full equality, then you shouldn't go there because you're supporting anti-equality. I never like to judge a country based on their leader. Yeah. What about travel for like POC? We had a, it was so interesting. We had a someone on, we did an international season and we had someone on who was a black guy who lives in Japan. And he was talking about, he was like, oh yeah, I stick out like a sore thumb. He was like, I'm having a different experience. Oh my God. Well, I, first I would just say, I love following. And if you don't already follow a diverse set of travel influencers, I highly recommend it. You know, some of my favorite travel accounts, you know, said tripping CED, his name is Cedric Wood said tripping. He's a, um, black pharmacist in Atlanta, and he creates the most unbelievable content. And, you know, he wants to normalize luxury travel for black people. And I do believe that that's Mm -hmm. so needed in our travel media. Hotel Whisperer on Instagram, she's one of my favorites. She has such a taste for like luxury hotels, but then she puts her own spin on things. (laughs) Nomadness Tribe is an amazing black travel collective. So once you start following those people, I learn as a traveler so much, even though I'm not black. And I do believe Mm -hmm. it's a, I mean, it's a huge economy. And I think for any business in the travel industry, if you're not paying attention to different travelers and showing diversity in your advertising, I I own the fact that the points guy, look, travel and points, it's, you know, high credit, you know, we have a diverse audience, but we haven't as a company done enough to be inclusive. So we actually, this past year started our own, we pay 10 members of the travel community, whether you're black. We've got indigenous trekking advocates. Mm-hmm. We have a blind traveler, chubby traveler. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, even LGBTQ. So I'm a gay, privileged white male. I have no idea what it's like to travel while being trans, especially internationally. Rough. <laughs> so our goal is to be more inclusive. A lot of these um, panelists, you know, I don't want performative, like, oh, we checked a box, you know, we're being told. We have monthly meetings mm-hmm. with them and audits on. Everything we're doing, even just imagery on our site, we just had huge gaps. And I think just owning it and trying to change it's a big thing. But as a traveler, like you've got to follow people outside of your comfort zone. And that's where I've learned the most. And I just encourage everyone, like push yourself. There's so many really amazing, deserving influencers that don't get the same credit, I think, 
as some of their white counterparts. Pun intended. Yeah, I mean, fat travelers, trans travelers, even if you're not transgender nonconforming, friends of mine who just simply don't identify as trans but are gender nonconforming, it's like when we fly, you know, for our queer stuff, it's just like, oh, we got to wait for this person and we got to wait for this person and this person has a Muslim last name, so we got to wait for them. But, you know, random. Right. It's weird that it's the same people every time. Fascinating. How do you feel that your presentation or tone or what you want to convey like has grown from when you started doing this? I think we've done a great job at expanding our base. You know, we uh, about four years ago acquired Mommy Points, which was all about family travel. So we we do a ton now in family. Oh. We have a whole cruise vertical at the Points Guy. Cruises? Yeah, cruises are back. You could not pay me to go on a cruise. You know, Virgin Cruises is coming out where it's like an adult only kind of like hip cruise, no buffets, kind of very swanky. People go missing on cruise, Brian. You're, you're not. You're not wrong. No. <laughs> that someone takes you on a cruise, international waters. There's no laws. You go missing. They can't do anything. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of true. Like in general, internationally. <laughs> By the way, for people who think the U.S. government's gonna bail you out if you do something dumb abroad, like think twice. Like they will not. You'll get locked up. They may help connect you to like you know random lawyer, but have your wits about you when you travel. But anyway, I think the Points Guy is evolving. And I think with our the new Points Guy app, it will help us learn more about what people want. When we have the data that shows like, oh my, like this content is actually really trending and this is what people want more of, I think it's gonna make us even better in creating content that's like easier for more people to understand. Because I do admit that it's, it is confusing. Sometimes I think, well, that's job security, right? That we get to keep writing about new offers, but no, we actually want to make people's like travel dreams come true. And in order to do that, we need to have technology that helps like mm -hmm. personalize our content to you and what you actually want to do instead of just overwhelming you. For sure. A lot of people wanted me to ask you like, what's the best card? But like, it's personal. So you have to do your own research, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I will just plug, I mean, at the points guys, so if you, if you want to get into the points game, we have under our guides tab, we've got a beginner's guide. That will take you through everything. And if you want to say, what is mm -hmm. the best credit card for dining? Like Google it. The points guy has a whole list and we go through each one and why they're different. You know, look at the major categories you spend in life and then get the credit cards that reward you. The goal in life is to get more than one point per dollar spent. And there are credit cards that will give you 2x on everything. Right. So use that as your base card and then use the one for, you know, 5x on airlines on this card and 4x on groceries on this. And you can build a strategy and you're getting huge sign-up bonuses in the interim. That's how you build your point wealth. And I will just say, it sounds complicated, but, you know, the moment you get tons of points, it's like an insurance policy in life. You know, I had a situation, I was in Europe, I had a family emergency and one-way tickets home from Europe were like $4,000, but I had points to burn. And being able to burn points on a minute's notice to go anywhere in the world or to help family or friends to me is powerful. And I think that's, you can get there. Anyone listening to this now can get there. Even if you don't have great credit today, there is a formula to get there and just put a strategy in place, have discipline, don't go into debt. And trust me, there are like huge rewards to be had. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you social media wise? Obviously they can go to the points guy, but yeah, the points guy on all channels is our brand account. And I'm Brian Kelly, B-R-I-A-N-K-E-L-L-Y on Instagram. And I, if you looked at my pin stories, I, especially over the pandemic, will 
from start to finish show my trips. So if you want to mm-hmm. see what my, you know, what it was like, you know, this summer to go to Spain and Italy and travel within Europe, like I document everything, including some of my most epic trips like Tahiti and Rwanda. So, and I also try to respond to my DMs as much as possible. The Brian Kelly account is run by me and the Point Sky is all of our brand account. Now we're gonna interview my partner, Mal Blum, all about how they're secretly the heir to the Marriott fortune. Well, look who's back. It's my partner, Mal Blum. Do you wanna tell the audience if this is their first time hearing of you, who you are and what you do? Oh, hi, Gabby Dunn. I'm Mal Blum. I, what do I do in the pandemic? (laughs) What do I do? Okay, I ask this of every guest and you have a meltdown every time. Well, I don't know you you cuz cuz you invited me on here to talk about credit card points, not to have an existential crisis. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. All right, I'm a musician. My taxes say I'm a musician. That's what I do for work. I'm then also I am a writer. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm also now an actor and a model. Mm-hmm. So, when we when we first started dating, I was exposed to how much you enjoy hotel points. We were long distance and how much you knew about Marriott points specifically. (laughs) So uh, to the point that I nicknamed you Mal Marriott, heir to the Marriott fortune. I wish. So why are you so into points? Okay. You know, Gabby, I'd like to correct some misinformation right off the top. Okay. Okay, what? I don't know if this has got to journalism or what, what this is. Okay. But it's not. Hotel points. It's all points. Oh, okay. It's all points. It's all points. It's all points. It's all sign-up bonuses, okay? And I won't have my reputation maligned. Smeared this way? I won't. Okay. So why why are you so into points? One, as you know, I do have ADHD, so I Mm -hmm. hop from special interest to special interest, and that was one of them for a while. (laughs) Two. Why, though? Why? Because it feels like a video game. And it feels like, okay, here's the thing. Why I'm into it is because it feels like scamming the system. However, it is just the system. Sure. Yeah. So basically, credit cards will try to get you to sign up for them sometimes by being like, if you sign up and you spend $1,000 in this period of time, or you spend $3,000, or you spend $5,000, like different tiers, you'll get... 50,000 airline points for this airline, or you'll get 100,000 Marriott points, or, you know, like they try to get you to sign up. And probably with the hope that you won't pay it back and then they can um, tack on lots of interest and make Mm -hmm. a lot of money off of you. But if you use them like I do, then you scam them. But it's not scamming. It's what they purport to be the, the thing they want you to do. So you change credit cards all the time then? I wouldn't say that. Do you want to know my MO with this? Yeah, what's your MO? Okay, so I'm a musician, right? Mm -hmm. So here are your expenses as a musician, right? Like, let's Mm -hmm. say you're going on tour. You have to pay for the gas. You have to pay for the lodging. You have to pay your bandmates uh, whatever fee they're getting per show. You have to pay for food. You have to... and. Hopefully, you're making money off those shows so that the tour is profitable, right? Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is you're going to have a large amount of expenses. So let's say you go on, you know, a two-week tour and you're going to make $8,000, but you're going to spend $4,500 on expenses, whatever. So if you sign up for a credit card... (laughs) 
and you put all the tour expenses on that credit card, you'll hit the sign-up bonus. And then you'll get whatever the sign-up bonus is. And it's money that you were going to have to spend anyway. Mm -hmm. And that you, at the end of the tour, will have the money to pay it back immediately. So mm -hmm. there's no interest. You get the sign-up bonus. Then you have the credit card. The other thing that I have put on credit cards is recording costs. So mm -hmm. recording an album, if you don't know, costs a lot of money. <laughs> So you have to pay for the studio time. You have to pay for the engineer. You have to, in my case, pay the band that's playing on it. I told you I would sponsor, I would invest in your new album if you named it Mal Blum Presents I Love Gabby So Much, Gabby is the Best. Um, but you refused to title the album that. No, thank so you. So now that's on you and you don't get my investment. What, what is this, like an Elon Musk grime situation? We're not, you're not <laughs> investing in me. Don't invest I in me. If you name your album that, I will pay for the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So let me talk to you about album. God. So I'm about to blow your mind. Okay. Album costs. You have to pay for all this stuff. I would say at the very least, most bands are, mm -hmm. are paying like at least $2,500 for like a week in the studio. Okay. This is where labels get involved. Labels... Record labels. They will pay for you to record, but then yeah. you have to recoup them. Yeah. And then they split the profits with you, right? So basically okay. a record label is like a big credit card. Oh, okay. So if, for example, you can't find a record label for some reason, even though you've made lots of record labels, lots of money and are profitable artists, hypothetically, you would then put your album costs on a credit card and then mm -hmm. try to sell it to a label to reimburse you. <laughs> yeah. So when you put it on the credit card, then you're getting these points. And then as I've seen you use them, it kind of goes back into like the tour, right? Like you were using like the Marriott points that you had got from the sign up bonus for your for you and your band to stay in a Marriott room, you know, like you kind of were using it in a strategic way. Yes, absolutely. So what are the benefits? Okay. So let me tell you this is why Marriott, the credit card, has been good for me. You get the Marriott card, you put the tour expenses or the recording expenses on it, you hit the sign-up bonus, you get, I think at the time, it was 100,000 hotel points. Okay, what does that translate to in money? Basically, in my experience, depending on where you're trying to book a Marriott room, it's like 18,000 to 20,000 points. And you've accumulated 100,000 by signing up. By signing up and, and hitting the sign-up bonus, yeah, you get 100,000. So that's like... That's a lot of rooms. Yeah, it's like five nights. And if you book with yeah. points five nights in a row, not that you would ever do that on tour, but you get an extra night with Marriott if you book. You get a free night. If you stay for five nights, you get a free night. On points, yeah. Uh, you have to stay in Tucson, Arizona or whatever. You have to stay in the same room, yeah. Like, like if you were going on vacation or something and you booked like six nights with your Marriott points, one of those nights would be free. Wow. And, well, this is the other thing. So not all cards have a yearly fee. Marriott mm. does have a yearly fee of 85 for the personal, 95 for the business. Mm -hmm. You get a free night every year with your card fee. Oh. So basically like it, it kind of evens out, right? Because you're like, okay, I have to pay $100 a year for this card, but I also get a free hotel room every year when I pay that. So mm -hmm. do you use airline points? Yes. Main one I'm using right now is the Delta Sky Miles one. 
but it's not the best sign-up bonus. The best sign-up bonus I had was with Alaska. What was the bonus? I think it was like 60,000 points at the time. And I was able to get, (laughs) this was crazy. I was able to get round trip first class tickets to Las Vegas for me and my partner at the time. And I'm not exactly sure how that worked, but it worked. Okay, so if someone wanted to get started with points, what would you tell them to do? And they're not a musician. They're just like a person with like a desk job. I have a question. Are they, because here's the thing. If you are somebody who thinks you'll have trouble paying it back, I wouldn't even get started with credit cards because the interest and stuff is really bad. (laughs) It's like- Unless you pay it off like right away. Yeah, and then you don't, that's kind of how this- has worked for me is because I can, with these expenses, I know that I can pay it off almost immediately and then there's no interest. But okay, if you want to get started with credit card points, you know, there's, there's cards that I would get a card that doesn't have a yearly fee Mm -hmm. and just maximizes sort of like everyday point usage. Yeah. Like cash back or airline points or whatever. I try to avoid paying for anything not on a credit card now because it's just like if I have to spend the money anyway, I, I would like to get the points. Right. I have to remember, I have a hard time like some of my cards are like this card gives you 3% back for gas and this card gives you 3% back for groceries and I like forget which one, you know, I have to write down. That's my little mm. bit of advice is write down which card is for what and then be very consistent with that. Where can people find you and and more about you, my love? I'm on social media at Mal Blum everywhere. Mal's album that came out is called Nobody Waits. It's on Saddle Creek. It's a seven inch. It's not an album. Sorry, I don't know the words. But anyway. That was a single. That was just a single. A single. Anyway, so that's the latest one. Yeah, I don't know when this is coming out, but I am releasing something else in the next couple months. So yeah, Mal has new projects that only I know about. (laughs) Hee (laughs) hee. I'm going to start paying attention to my points. Right now I have the bare minimum of cash back on groceries and gas and I don't have a travel card. I know, I know, I know, I know. But it just felt like I I was about to get one and then a pandemic hit. I can't just rely on the probability of Mal like in Lifetime movie style revealing that they've been a hotel chain heir this whole time and they were just waiting for me to prove that I love them for them. I kind of hope that happens, but look, it might not. (laughs) 